Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. Here and Now Motherhood is a nonprofit designed to support moms in their transition to motherhood. I'm your host, Nicole Hunt. Welcome to this week's episode, everybody. We have a special guest this week. She is going to answer some questions for us about labor here in Johnson City, Tennessee. I collected questions at my prenatal yoga class, and also I asked her a couple of my own. So sit back and let's chat with Melissa. My name is Melissa Wood. I am the owner of Start and Love Labor Doula Services. Um, And what a labor doula is, is a non-medical person who helps support uh, women who are pregnant uh, prenatally and then during their labor and delivery and during the part of the postpartum period. Um, We help create a birth plan. Uh, Doulas attend births uh, either at home with a midwife or in a hospital setting. Um, or a birth center, if a birth center is available. Um, We provide physical and emotional support during the labor and delivery, uh, comfort measures, uh, mantras that you can use to help you get through the labor and delivery. And we're there when the miracle happens. Um, It's amazing. And then we're also there uh, during a little bit the beginning of the postpartum period to make sure everything's going okay. Um, breastfeeding, you're getting enough sleep and stuff like that. And there's also uh, postpartum doulas if you want help in your home overnight or during the day. Awesome. Thank you. What would you tell a first-time mom about labor? If she didn't know what questions to ask, what would you say to her? Um, the first thing I would say is every birth is different. Um, it's, I've been to first time mom births and then mom to births with moms who've had multiple babies. And even those births are never the same. So you kind of have to get in your brain to expect the unexpected. Um, you also have to get in your brain that this is what your body is made to do. Your body was created to deliver a child. Your body absolutely knows what it's doing. And the baby knows what it's doing. So it's nothing that you have to force. It's kind of something that you have to let happen naturally. And you have to get through it. Um, It can get intense. And there may be some scary moments. But that is one of the benefits of having a doula. Is because they're there to help you through those moments. Do all the different birthing locations in the Johnson City area have a normal procedure they go through with every mom, or do they often customize it for each mother? Um, For the most part, it's the same. Um, So that so that they can make sure that things are covered, that things happen, that, you know, are done when they need to be done. But with uh, my doula clients, I help them create what's called a birth plan or a preference list because you can't really plan for birth. Um, But what a birth plan does is it empowers the mom to become informed of all their options for their labor and delivery. Um, As simple as, who you want in the delivery room with you and who you don't want in the delivery room with you. Um, 
Do you want pain medication? Do you uh, want your husband or your partner to cut the umbilical cord? Um, to what may happen during, if there's an emergency C-section. So hospitals do have their step-by-step things that they do, the nurses, and they, they check on you and they monitor you and they go through their process. But if you make a birth plan, you also have these little things that help the nurses and the doctors know what you would prefer if that option is available. After they've created that birth plan, how do they submit it? Um, I always try to have uh, my client's birth plans completely done by like week 36 or 37 so that they can take a copy into their OB at one of their appointments so that they can go over it and and make sure that their OB is okay with it um, and is aware. And then I also tell them to take a copy when they pre-register at the hospital because Usually that's part of what you do. If you know you're delivering at, say, Franklin Woods here in Johnson City, you will you would pre-register to hopefully skip some of the steps when you go and your water's broken and you're uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. the OB should, I suggest to my clients, the OB sees it, that they take it when they pre-register. And then I always have a couple copies with me when I attend a birth to make sure that the nurses who are there and the doctor that's on call that day um, have a physical copy to look at throughout the labor and delivery. Is that something that is part of the normal routine with their OB or do they need to initiate that themselves? Um, I think it happens like a week or two before your due date. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that um, previous clients have gone in to pre-register like a week Um, at least a week before their due date, just in case they go into labor before your estimated due date. At Ballad, are they usually really structured with delivering Pitocin or an episiotomy, or do they usually address the mom first? Um, I think it's something that the OB suggests. I think it's just one of the things that makes it easier. In case your water breaks at 3 o'clock in the morning, And you have to go and nobody wants to fill out all that paperwork and answer all those questions in that condition when you're in the middle of labor. Um, So I think that the OB suggested. Is postpartum recovery easier if you tear rather than having an episiotomy? What have you seen with your clients? Um. They will, the moms will normally have this discussion with their OBs at some point during one of their prenatal appointments, um, discuss the pros and the cons and and what can happen. And then that is something that I usually uh, help moms put on their birth plans, um, like like an episiotomy. no one really wants to have one, but sometimes it's necessary. So on the birth plan, we would put, uh, we request no episiotomy unless medically necessary. And then I would also like to be informed prior to that happening. Like I want to know what's going to happen. I don't want to be shocked afterwards. Um, and, and just like the Pitocin, um, that would be used for an induction and that would probably be talked to, they would probably talk to that uh, with their OBs prior 
so that they can cover side effects and what can happen and and it makes it makes contractions more intense and then if it if when you're in labor if you're not moving along fast enough they would say hey you know would you like to try some pitocin they'd go over the information and they would give the mom and their partner a chance to discuss it so it's it's kind of covered in both areas. It's kind of like a prenatal thing that you talk about so that you are aware that it's possible. But then if the situation arises during labor and delivery, from what I've experienced, they're very good about discussing the option and giving the mom and her partner a chance to discuss it. Are first time moms likely to go into labor early or late? Um, in my experience, first-time moms usually go close to their due date or after. And one of the things that I really make sure moms know when I even just at like a potential client meeting and we talk about due dates, those are estimated due dates. They're kind of, they're scientifically guessing, but they're still kind of guessing. And so... I've had clients, first-time moms, go two weeks late or later than their due date. doesn't mean it's late, just later than their due date. And then I've had moms go three weeks before. And the baby was born when the baby was supposed was, was a healthy weight, was healthy, um, breastfed well, the whole thing. So it's kind of... It, it's kind of hard to judge. I don't, I just, when I have a client that says they're due September 15th, I know that they could go anywhere from two weeks before or two weeks after. Cause the baby is, that's a safe zone. Those four weeks right there is pretty much a safe zone. So it really is hard to gauge. Now, second time moms, it can still go either way, but you probably have a little bit better of a, if a guess time, you know, you're probably safer saying if my baby, if they say my baby's due September 15th, it's probably closer to a, it's probably safer to say that that's probably a good guess. Is postpartum recovery easier if you tear rather than having an episiotomy? What have you seen with your clients? Um, I think from my experience, I've not had a client have to have an episiotomy. Um, so I don't have ex- personal experience with that, but I have had clients who have torn while delivering their child. And it kind of just depends um, from the research that I had to do to be certified and, and the information that I've read. I think it I think it really depends on how the mom is basically stitched back up and how well the doctor cares for it and how well she takes care of herself. Um, I think I don't think they like to do episiotomies anymore. I mean, I don't even think I've had a doctor even mention it. So I think they they unless it's and I've not had a mom who's had an over overly big baby where they, the doctor thought it was necessary. So I think it really just depends on how well the doctor cares for that, either the episi- episiotomy or the tear. 
right there at the birth and then how well the mom takes care of herself. So if a woman winds up having an episiotomy, which in your experience is not very likely, she just needs to take care of it, really isn't going to be worse off for it. Is that right? Yeah, that's, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't, I have, like I've said, I've been doing this for two and a half, three years, and I've yet to see anybody actually have a, an official episiotomy, not an official, but have an episiotomy. And I really think it's all about how you take care of yourself and following the doctor's orders when you go home and, and taking care of yourself. And when you say taking care of yourself, if you're going to give some tips for the new moms, what would you say? Um, when you go home from the hospital, and I, I tell all of my doula clients this, that you are, your, your baby is not only recovering from birth and growing and needs to rest and needs to eat and be taken care of, but you also need to be taken care of. You need to take it easy, no matter how good you feel. I mean, some moms feel great two days after when they go home and they're like, oh, this is fabulous. I don't, I'm, I'm good to go. But your body is still adjusting. Your hormones are still changing. Um, and you have delivered an entire human into the world. So you, you need to take care of yourself. You need to make sure you're getting plenty of fluids. You need to make sure you're eating. You need to make sure you're resting. And I always tell my clients that if someone comes to your house to see that cute baby, that if they're close to you or a family member, that it's okay to ask them to put the laundry in the dryer or fold the clothes or to bring something to eat so that you don't feel like you've got to cook for everybody. I mean, you're recovering. Um, you, I, I just make sure that they know that even though you feel great, that you're, you still have to give your body time to heal. Yes, it did what it's supposed to do. Um, yes, it knows what it's doing, but you've got to give yourself time to get over it. And especially if you have a C-section, you've got to really be careful because there are certain restrictions like uh, moving and uh, a weight limit of things that you can lift and carry. So you've got to you've really got to pay attention to what the doctor or your midwife tells you to do. And you've got to give yourself the time to heal and recover. Sometimes I hear these stories about moms rock climbing two days after having birth and you don't need to do that. It's okay to rest after having a baby. It's okay to let your body heal. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and, and also it's very important for moms to know that it's okay to say no. You know, if you go home from the hospital on Tuesday and everybody from your yoga class wants to come see the baby on Friday, it really is okay to say, I'm not ready for visitors yet. It's, I'm, I need to rest. I'm not ready. Um, it's okay to say, no, I can't take care of that today. Or let the laundry go. The laundry will still be there. If it's really bad, someone can come to your house and help you do it. Your partner, your spouse can do it for you. You really have to kind of almost be selfish um, because everybody thinks, oh, this baby's here. You're great. You're feeding it. You can just kind of go about your business. But unless you've been through it, which is my experience, unless you've been through it, nobody really gets 
what you really need to get through those first few weeks, a month or two, till you're fully recovered and kind of back to normal. Which hospitals have you done births at as a doula? Uh, I have done births at Franklin Woods. I've done births at Bristol Regional, Indian Path, um, the other one in Kingsport that I can't think of right now, um, and uh, Laughlin in uh, not Laughlin in Tacoma in Greenville, which no longer they're not doing labor and delivery at Tacoma. It's now Laughlin in Greenville. So I've done those four hospitals. I've yet to do one at Johnson City Medical Center. I think that's the only one that's around. If a mom chooses to use a birthing ball during labor, do those hospitals provide it or do they need to bring their own? Uh, all the hospitals that I have been to have birthing balls. Um, the only issue is if there's a lot of births going on at one time, they may be short. Um, they also have, they're called peanut balls. They're made just like birth balls, but they look like peanuts. And those are really good if you are stuck on a monitor, if you're stuck being monitored and you can't get around and walk around, or if you've had an epidural and you can't get out of bed, peanut balls are great for when you're laying on your side to still keep your hips open, um, to help create space for the baby. Um, but every hospital that I've been to have, have had both. I remember using a peanut ball when I was in labor with my son. My hips were widening so much and I'd had an epidural and it just felt so good to have yeah. something so big in between my legs. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps, but I mean, you can use pillows and everyone's like, oh, it looks so, it looks, I mean, they're big. They look, it looks really big, but pillows kind of tend to smush down with your heavy legs, especially if you've had an epidural. And you can't move around very well. A peanut ball is a little more solid and it does open you up and it, it, it does make a difference. Do they need to schedule a tour on their own at any of those hospitals or does the OB initiate that? Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I absolutely would request to take a tour. And I think probably what might happen is when you go in to do your paperwork when you pre-register, you probably get a tour then. I do know that um, usually once a year, Franklin Woods does, in the past, they've called it like a baby, a baby shower. And the OBs have been there and there's been other um, like car safety, car seat checks and, and breastfeeding help. Um, and you can take a tour of the hospital then. But I think just I think that just happened a few months ago. So if they haven't been alerted by anyone, they definitely can still take a tour and they can schedule that on their own. Oh yeah, I would. Oh yeah, I would act. You know, call your OB and see what's up and see if there's, you know, a time that they normally do it at the hospital, or they'll probably, or you could just call labor and delivery at the hospital and just ask. I mean, there's always someone there to ask. When I was in labor with my son, the hospital I gave birth at had a very strict policy about how far you needed to be dilated before they would admit you. Do any of those hospitals have policies like that? Um, usually when moms visit their OBs towards the end of their 
uh, pregnancy, they go over when to go to the hospital or when to call the doctor, um, which is usually when your contractions are five minutes apart, lasting for one minute for one hour. That, that kind of means that they're consistent. Um, and I don't, I don't go against that, you know, as a non-medical labor doula, I, whatever your doctor tells you is the, what you need to follow. Um, I do think that if you go to the hospital, um, if you're not, if you go in and let's say you're two centimeters, I mean, even if you've been laboring for 10 hours, if you're only two centimeters, that's, that's it. They probably keep you for an hour or so um, in triage to see if you're making any progress. If you're not making any progress and you're still kind of hanging around two centimeters and your water has not broken because they like you to be in the hospital if your water has broken. Um, if it's not broken, they probably would send you home. But until you're checked, you don't know how far along you are. That's why they give you, that's why they advise you on the 511 for the contractions. Because usually if, you're, if your contractions are consistent like that, you are at least absolutely in labor and your body is doing something. You are progressing. So if a mother reaches that 511, there is a chance they haven't dilated enough, but it's unlikely and they need to be in contact with the labor and delivery team from their hospital at that point. Yeah, I absolutely would check with the doctor at that point because usually if once you've hit that point, once you've hit the 511, and I say usually because like I said before, every birth and every labor is different. If it's been going on for an hour or an hour and a half, they're not going to go back and stop. They're going to keep progressing. And depending on how far you have to travel to get to the hospital, um, cause some people drive, you know, 30 minutes or more to get to wherever their hostel is, depending on how you handle the, how you're handling the contractions. I know I would not have wanted to be in a car driving anywhere in the middle of a contraction. So usually when that's been going on consistently for a minute, you're, you're hitting close to active labor and you probably my advice would be if someone called me and said, this is what's going on. My advice would be to go in and see what, let them check you and see what's going on. And you don't need to worry about bothering people in labor and delivery. They're always there to answer questions. So just ask them and stay in contact with them during your labor process. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What are some things that might surprise new moms during the labor process? Um, What's surprise? Well, I ask this of my moms, and one of the most memorable answers that I've gotten, um, which I now share with all of my clients, because it never crossed my mind, but it when I asked her what stood out at her labor, uh, was she said she was surprised at the amount of people that show up in your room and how bright the lights will get if they turn on all the lights. Um, because normally, usually when it's time to, when you're in labor, it's you and your partner, um, hopefully a doula, and then you'll have a labor and delivery nurse that's with you. 
And then when it's time to push the push and for the baby to come, then you've got your partner or your spouse, a doula, your labor and delivery nurse. Then there's the doctor, a nurse for the doctor, and then there's at least one or two nurses for the baby. So she was shocked that when it was time to push, these extra people came in the room and they turned the lights on because on her birth plan, she didn't have, she'd like to keep the lights low. And that was just something she wasn't concerned about. It wasn't a thing for her. Um, so that's what shocked her. Um, also, I think that first time moms, because it's hard to explain what a contraction feels like, I think it's, it's surprising how they feel, how your whole stomach, you know, you've given birth, how your whole stomach hardens and it, the whole thing cramps up. Um, and, and you just have to, and I remind my clients, you just have to, there's no time frame. I mean, you can watch births on YouTube or wherever, and you can read about it, but your baby's going to come when your baby's ready. So you, you can't get in your head and you can't be like, okay, well, I'm three centimeters and it only took two hours. So I'll be at six centimeters and two. Well, that's not really the case. I think that's surprising too. Like, or it can take 12 hours to go from zero to seven centimeters and then literally take like 45 minutes to go from seven to 10 and be ready to push. So I, I think that the fact that there, you can't really plan for it is what mom, new moms, first time moms need to get in their brains. If there was a mom who was nervous about the pain of contractions, what would you say to her? Um, I encourage all my moms to, uh, during prenatals, to practice figuring out how to get in a zone um, because they've got to get through these contractions. You can't get rid of them. You have to have them. They're a necessary part of what, you're what your body is doing. Um, it, they are painful. You've got to learn to breathe through them. Um, and it doesn't have to be that rhythmic breathing that we've all heard about, or we laugh at when people do it on TV, um, just breathing through them, um, visually picture it as in your mind is like a wave and it starts to climb like the when a, when a wave crest and then it breaks and then it, the contraction will subside and you just, you just kind of have to breathe through it. Or if you can get in a zone where when you can feel a contraction coming, you just go wherever it is you go, wherever it is that you can focus the most. If you want to, if you bring pictures with you to visualize, so you have something to, to look at, um, to get through each thing. Um, and then, and they get really intense and that's where moms get into the epidural discussion. And even if you get an epidural, it doesn't help for everybody. It doesn't work for everybody. So you still have to be prepared that it might just take a little bit of the edge off, but you're still going to feel the pain. Um, so, and it is, it is scary when they start and once you realize what's happening and you like, 
it really clicks in your brain like, oh, this is for real. This is really happening. These are going to get really intense. That's why I suggest that they figure out beforehand, you know, reminding them, I remind them to breathe. I breathe with my mom. Sometimes I do nothing but lean against the bed and just breathe because sometimes you'll hold your breath when you're in pain. Well, that's the worst thing to do because you've got to learn to relax your body because your body's going to do it whether you're tensed up or not. And the more relaxed you are, the more it can, the contraction like a wave can just kind of flow and do what it needs to do and move on. As a doula, what information would you provide to a mom about epidurals in general? Um, first, I would say that if you want to have one, that's great. If you don't want to have one, that's great. You, you are the only one in this moment, in this birth. So you, you are the only one that can really make this decision. Um, I would advise, I would remind them that it doesn't always work. Um, I had one. Um, and I would hindsight would, would say that I don't think it helped the way it helps a lot of people. Um, I don't think it worked as well as I thought it was going to, maybe it worked great. And I just thought it was going to completely take away all the pain. Well, it didn't for me. So, um, um, sometimes epidurals will slow labor down, um, and slow down the progress. And if that happens, then sometimes the nurse or the doctor, not the nurse, but the doctor would suggest adding Pitocin um, to kind of kick the labor and gear more. Well, that's all well and good, but the mom, and that's fine if that's what you choose to do, but the mom needs to know that with Pitocin, the contractions can become more intense and more painful. So it's kind of like, it kind of like snowballs. You're in pain, you get the epidural, it kind of eases the pain, but then your labor slows down. So then they give you Pitocin, which makes your contractions more intense, which, make, which makes you want to up the epidural a little bit. So it's, it's kind of a battle there. But if you don't think you can do it, I absolutely say get an epidural. I mean, I support my mom's. Because, like I said, it's their birth. I mean, they're really the only ones that are feeling it. I mean, husbands see their or, or partners see their the moms in pain. They're like, just get the epidural. I've had moms seeing their their daughters in labor and in so much pain. Just get the epidural. Just get the epidural. Well, you know, they're emotionally invested. So, of course, they want them to get the epidural. They don't want to see them in that pain. Um, so, if... if most of my moms have said I, I would prefer not. And about half of them have not needed one and half have. And if it gets to the point where they are, they're, they're looking at me like with that look on their face. And I can, I know that look and they're like, I can't, I, I need it. My advice is let's do 10 minutes. Let's go 10 more minutes without it. And let's see how, how you are. You know, how, how are you handling these contractions? Can you get through them? And then once we get through 10 minutes, we have the discussion. How are you feeling? You know, did you did, I think you did a great job. How do you think you did? How's your pain level? How are you, how are you, how do you think you're handling this? And if they think they're okay, then I'm like, let's go 10 more minutes. 
Um, and some of them get to the point where they're like, I absolutely, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Especially if they've been laboring for a long time, because then you're exhausted on top of the contractions. So I just, we talk about epidurals, uh, during the prenatals, uh, so that they're aware of their options. Um, we put them on the birth plan. Um, so the doctor knows that they're aware that they have options and that they can say no to one. If they don't want one, they don't have to have one. Um, unless you need, a, unless there's an emergency C-section. Um, but I, I just have really, I just support my moms on whatever they choose to do and, and help them the best that I can with whatever decision they make. At the hospitals you've worked at, is it normal to do skin to skin? So giving the baby directly to the mom after birth and having the baby lay on the mom's bare chest, or do they usually take the baby away as soon as the baby is born? Um, no, it's from what I've seen, it's always skin to skin. I make sure it's in the birth plan just to kind of cover it. Um, but absolutely every birth that I have been to has been skin to skin. I was at a birth at Bristol, um, a few months ago and with my doula clients, I usually stay between an hour or two after the delivery just to kind of make sure that the mom and the dad or the partner or the spouse have caught their breath, you know, can kind of just kind of take that deep breath like, oh, okay, this is where we are now. And I was at that birth probably an hour and a half, two hours, and they never took that baby off that mom's chest. Um, they try to do what they can while the baby's on the mom's chest. They didn't even take that baby away to weigh it until after the mom had finished breastfeeding. Um, and all the other hospitals have been the same. Um, usually if they take the baby, it is just to weigh it, to do the footprints, um, to measure it and put a diaper on it. And it's right back to mama. So they've all been, it's, it's been, it's been a really good experience in that aspect. Um, and they've done a, a really good job making sure it's all been skin to skin and um, doing delayed cord clamping as well so that the, the baby can get more of the mother's, more blood supply. Um, it can increase the blood supply uh, almost up to three times if you let the cord stop pulsing before you cut it. And you said that's usually what you do, so you don't necessarily have to specify that? They usually do it. I make sure we put it on the birth plan just in case, just to kind of cover all the bases and make sure the moms know that that's an option. Um, but they usually do it. I mean, unless there's some sort of a medical reason not to, they usually do it. So let's say the baby's born, goes on mom's chest... When does that cord stop pulsing usually? Sometime, um, I think the average is between two and three minutes. Some of it's sooner and some of it's longer. It really just, it just, it's just biology. It depends on the placenta and what's going on with that. If a mother's received an epidural during birth, how does that usually affect them if they need to get stitches? Um, the doctors will, even with an epidural, they usually do like a local, um, 
like lidocaine, they give them a little shot just to kind of numb it a little bit, even with an epidural, because your epidural isn't going to, that's more of a muscular pain medication. Um, so they give a little bit of lidocaine, I believe. Don't, I mean, I'm saying it out loud, but don't quote me. But that's usually um, what I've heard them use. Um, if the tear is bad enough that it needs to be stitched up. What members of the medical team will come and visit the mom during postpartum? Um, yeah, I'm, the OB will come in and visit. Um, a pediatrician will visit your baby. Um, it might not be your pediatrician, but if you're ready to go home and Dr. Smith is the pediatrician there, then you are ready to go home and you want Dr. Smith to see your baby. Um, so someone has seen your baby before you leave. And then uh, if a lactation consultant is available, they usually come in and make sure the mom's doing well and that they're, they've got a good latch. Um, my experience is after the baby is born, they do skin to skin. And then um, kind of usually when things calm down, when the doctor's done and everything's you're kind of cleaned up, then a nurse usually comes in and helps uh, initiate breastfeeding. Um, and, and so that baby can start getting, uh, some nutrients, um, before baby and mom both crash from exhaustion. So, but normally, yeah, you, as long as an OB will see you, a pediatrician will see your baby so that they know your baby's good to go. Um, and as long as a lactation consultant is available, you know, they will come and see you as well. Does the nurse usually assist with breastfeeding in the labor and delivery room, or do they wait until mom and baby have moved to the postpartum recovery room? Um, it's usually right there in the labor and delivery room. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and sometimes I've had, I've been at births where babies are, you can tell that they're looking, they're rooting around and looking for some food. And so even maybe while the doctor is stitching things up and, and you're getting cleaned up, if you can feed, if that baby wants and you're ready, they'll let you do it right then. What would you say to a mom who's had children previously and it had been a rough experience in the past? Um, I would again say you can't, you can't compare because I actually had a client meeting yesterday, a potential client meeting yesterday who's had two other babies and our first two babies, the births were completely different from each other. Um, so you have to, to keep that in mind. Um, and then I would find, I would tell my mom if she was, uh, one of my clients, we would talk about what happened. We would discuss her fears. We would talk about why she felt um, whatever happened, why she felt if she ended up with an episiotomy, why she felt it was a bad thing. And, you know, what made her think that, you know, did they not tell her prior and they just did it? Is that why it was so bad? Or um, did nobody tell her that an epidural may not work? And she got one thinking she wasn't going to feel any pain, but she did. And so that made it horrible. And so we would discuss her previous births and kind of try to figure out what exactly is it that was so traumatic or um, made it such a bad experience or she didn't enjoy it. And then we would figure out 
what we can do differently for this one to hopefully make sure that this one is a better experience and that there's a better outcome and that she feels positive about this birth experience. What other things would you want to share with first-time moms? Um, I would just, you know, if they're, I would suggest um, that they keep an open line of communication with their OBs to uh, not hide any questions or fears that they may have Um, because the OB can't help you unless you ask. If they don't know that you have questions, they can't answer your questions. Um, I would also uh, make sure that they're taking care of themselves. Um, Make sure you're taking your prenatals and you're eating well and you're getting a little bit of exercise. Um, Prenatal yoga is great. Um, especially if you don't normally exercise, prenatal yoga is great to help keep your body strong, um, and to keep things loose because you're going to need, you're going to need that strength and you're going to need that flexibility when you're delivering that child. Um, and I would suggest that you, uh, do some research and look into hiring a, a doula. Um, doulas are, are so full of information during prenatals, um, things that they've learned. Um, like I said, every birth is different. I learned something new at every birth. Um, we're not emotionally invested in your labor and delivery. Um, we care, but unlike a spouse or a mother or a sister. So it's easier for us to keep a calm head, um, and keep our minds clear when things get going and get intense. So we're able to help uh, moms and their spouses or partners understand what's going on. Um, We're also really good at making sure the dads or the partners or whoever is there takes care of themselves as well. Cause I've been at some labors that were almost 30 hours long and that's how long I've been there. Um, not even how long that mom's been at, in labor. Um, so we make sure that the, the dads or the spouses or partners are taking care of themselves and eating and taking a nap. Because once that baby comes, I look at you and say, your baby's beautiful. You did a fabulous job. And I'm now going to go home and sleep. And you have to be ready to take care of this baby. Um, you know, you're in charge now. I've, I've, I've done what I came to do. And so you, those, those support people, those other support people need to make sure that they're, they're rested and they've been taking care of themselves. Um, and, and almost most importantly, I would make sure that first time moms don't get scared. Don't, don't freak themselves out. Don't, I, when I was pregnant, uh, I watched a show on TV called A Baby Story and I almost couldn't stop watching. It was like an accident where you couldn't stop looking and it scared me. I mean, I was terrified watching these other women give birth. So I, I don't suggest that you do that if you have a, a kind of a brain that I do, which takes me to the dark places. Um, but it's natural. You literally could go outside and hold on to a tree and squat and deliver a child. So your body knows what it's doing. It's amazing. Your baby knows what it's doing. It's amazing. 
So you are going to, you can deliver this child. So don't scare yourself. Don't freak yourself out over um, epidurals or episiotomies or what happens if don't go into the, don't scare yourself with the what ifs. If you're, if you're nervous or you've got some concerns, talk to your OB um, or hire a doula. I mean, we can, there's 10, 12 of us in the area. Um, we all have had different experiences. We've all been doing it for different lengths of time. And one of us is a perfect match, you know, for every mom um, to be there to help them and, and get their questions answered and listen to their concerns um, and to be a calming presence in that room. Um, you know, we're knowledgeable about the about the stages of birth, about the stages of labor and delivery, um, the signs. You can visibly tell when a mom goes from active labor into transition, and you know that we're in transition now. You know, it's the hardest part, but it's also the shortest part of labor. Um, and so, you know, I just, I would just suggest not to just not get in your head and just understand that you can do this. You were, your body was made to do this. And, and whether you're alone or whether you've got just a partner spouse or a partner spouse and a doula or 15 women in the room with you, um, it, it's, you're going to get through this and it's going to be amazing. And at, at the end of it, you're going to have a beautiful human being. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It was a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Until next time, this has been the Here and Now Motherhood Podcast. 